6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, March 18th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Up ahead on the California Report, addressing the high cost of gasoline, a look at different proposals floating around the state's capital, and health departments still can't catch their breath. The latest on the Omicron subvariant making up a quarter of new COVID cases in the United States. We'll check in on local news and weather before we hear from science correspondent Al Stoller. Then Felton Pruitt sits down with Bix Beeman, the general manager for the Strawberry Music Festival, to close out our Friday night newscast. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. At least three proposals to address the high cost of gasoline are floating around in Sacramento. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer has reaction to one of those that would send cash to California taxpayers. On the steps of the state capitol Thursday, a group of Assembly Democrats said that when it comes to gas prices, basically, we hear you. Cecilia Aguiar-Curry, whose district includes parts of Napa Valley wine country, says the plan to send a $400 check to all California taxpayers would immediately provide relief from spiking gas prices. And it'll go far in helping with price increases, not only at the pump, but at the grocery store and on our utility bills. Californians are hurting and they need relief. The Democrats' proposal runs counter to one Republicans are promoting, to suspend California's 51 cents a gallon gas tax. East Bay Assemblywoman Rebecca Bauer-Cahan said a broad tax rebate ensures the money gets into consumers' wallets. Not into the pockets of oil companies, but straight to you as California taxpayers and the people that we know are feeling this pain every single day. In his State of the State address last week, Governor Gavin Newsom proposed a targeted tax refund aimed at drivers bearing the brunt of high gas prices. Robert Harrell of the Consumer Federation of California says ideally the tax rebate would help low-income folks and people of color most and not reward all people the same. For example, I don't know that we're super interested in subsidizing gas-guzzling you know, massive vehicles out there that get horrible gas mileage as much as we would be other kinds of of more fuel-efficient vehicles. One thing's for sure, with gas prices sky high and the state running a big budget surplus, Californians are sure to see some kind of rebate check in the mail in this election year. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. In response to the gas rebate proposal, Republican Assembly Leader James Gallagher says it's a good start to help struggling Californians, but there needs to be some sense of urgency from legislators. They can easily fast track bills, so if they're going to give a rebate, then do it now. You have the ability to do it. Don't wait till June. Don't wait till budget discussions. People need the relief now. Gallagher and fellow Republican Assembly member Kevin Kiley continue to advocate for a suspension of the gas tax. They say they plan to push for a vote on that in Sacramento next week. COVID cases in Los Angeles are falling and fewer people are in the hospital. But KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier says an Omicron subvariant is putting the county health department on alert. 
BA2 was nicknamed a stealth variant last fall because scientists had a hard time tracking it. The more infectious cousin of Omicron is fueling surges in Western Europe and China and now makes up nearly a quarter of new COVID-19 infections in the United States. Los Angeles County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says we've seen a gradual increase in BA2 cases locally. Six and a half percent of analyzed tests in L.A. are BA2. It's here. It's likely to increase. I see no reason why it won't become a more dominant strain. I don't know how long that will take, and I don't know that it will completely wipe out BA1. No one really knows whether a prior infection of the original Omicron variant offers protection from BA2. Ferrer said the best thing to do is get boosted if you haven't already and wear a mask in crowded places. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org health equity. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca tells us about a new memoir by a daughter trying to figure out how the radical climate of Berkeley in the 1960s shaped her parents, who were Iranian student activists. Neda Talui Semnani's new memoir is called They Said They Wanted Revolution. She's a reporter who, after her parents' death, spent years digging into archives and diaries to understand their time at Berkeley in the 1960s. Here's a passage from the book about her mom. On that first day in Berkeley, she walked hurriedly down Telegraph Avenue. She had a quick, funny gait, heels in and toes out. It pitched her hips back and forth in a way that was a little tomboyish and a little suggestive. Her mom and her friends became part of a circle of leftist Iranian students. The girls moved into the studio with a love seat, milk crates, a phone, and a turntable. They slapped fat psychedelic flower decals on the walls and pulled down the Murphy bed to share. That summer, their apartment was where everyone gathered on their way to the Iran house, the meeting place for all the Iranian Student Association chapters in Northern California, a couple blocks away. Tului Semnani's parents were both part of a movement trying to oust the Shah of Iran. Those students took over the Iranian consulate in San Francisco in 1970. Her parents went back to Iran after the revolution to try and push for a new society based on their leftist ideals. But that vision fell apart when it became clear the Ayatollah was more interested in an authoritarian Islamic state. Tului Semnani was just a toddler when she and her mom had to escape Iran before her dad was executed by the Ayatollah's regime. In the process of researching the book, she discovered an album featuring her dad singing. It was these kinds of ways um, that I was able to patchwork him together from an idea into something that was more textured and and more human and flawed and kind of beautiful. 
You can hear more of Sasha's interview with Netta Talui Semnani on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or to the magazine's podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, March 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Azul Dahlstrom Ekman, and Keith Mizuguchi. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Now let's take a look at regional news. Nevada County Public Health reports 11 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. One person is hospitalized, none in the ICU. Sierra College's women's basketball team was crowned California Community College Athletic Association state champs after their win over Big 8 conference rival San Joaquin Delta. This is Sierra College's second state championship in women's basketball. They first won the title in 1999. Two of California's largest wildfire incidents in 2021 cost fire agencies more than $500 million apiece, according to new federal data reported in the Sacramento Bee. According to an annual report from the National Interagency Fire Center, the Dixie Fire, which burned from mid-July through late October, cost an estimated $637 million to combat. The fire became California's second-largest wildfire, soaring to just under 1 million acres. The Beckworth Complex fire, which scorched 106,000 acres from July to September in Plumas National Forest, cost about $543 million. And the Caldor Fire, which burned over 220,000 acres in El Dorado County along Highway 50 and into the Lake Tahoe Basin, cost $271 million. Those are just the suppression costs for fire agencies. They don't reflect property damage or base operating costs, such as equipment. Only one other fire since the start of 2017 cost more than $200 million to suppress. Last year's fires cost far more due to short staffing at the U.S. Forest Service, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. The Forest Service had to lean heavily on private contracts, which greatly escalated costs. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 43. Saturday, showers mainly after 11 a.m. with a high near 46. Cloudy during the evening, then gradually clearing with a low around 33. Sunday, sunny with a high near 59. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 30. Saturday, a chance of rain and snow before 8 a.m. with a high near 41. Breezy with wind between 10 and 20 miles per hour and gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Sunday, sunny with a high near 44. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee-Tahoe region for this Saturday and Sunday. Those above 5,000 feet could see up to 3 inches of snow. Those above 7,000 feet in the Sierra could see up to 8 inches. Check Caltrans for road conditions before traveling in the Sierra or Northeast California on Saturday. Wind-prone areas along Highway 395 could see wind up to 50 miles per hour. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 50. Saturday, showers mainly after 10 a.m. with a high near 58. Sunday, sunny with a high near 67. Breezy with wind between 10 and 16 miles per hour and gusts as high as 21 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
Next up, science correspondent Al Stoller tackles the nuts and bolts of everything elevators. Many of us rely on the machine to save us from the dreaded sweat-inducing stairwell, but we've also seen enough movies to know if something goes wrong, consequences can be dire. Up ahead, Al speaks to Colfax resident and retired elevator constructor David White. Imagine a city where the tallest skyscrapers rise at most a half dozen stories. A half dozen stories would be as high as skyscrapers could climb if the only way to the top were the stairs. There is, in every skyscraper, a hole, many holes, elevator shafts, top to bottom, hundreds of feet deep. Elevators, back in the early 1800s, elevators were scary. That rope that holds the car upward. What if that rope broke? In the mid-1800s, Elisha Otis solved the problem. Otis invented an elevator car with brakes. Hauling passengers up and down, lives are at stake. So while the skyscraper is built by steelworkers, carpenters, plumbers, elevators are put together by specialists, elevator constructors. I spoke with retired elevator constructor David White. Did you do everything like mechanical, electrical? Oh, yeah, we do all our own welding. We run all our electrical. We do all our own work, and nobody else can go in there. Much as railroad cars run on rails, so do elevator cars. Does each car have two rails, one on each side? Uh, yeah, and then two counterweight rails in the back. As your elevator is going up, there's a counterweight going down. Right. Every elevator car has brakes. The brakes are mounted on springs, locked in the off position, unless something goes wrong. And then... Bang, it activates those mechanical shoes. Have you ever been in a car that was falling? Uh, yeah. It was an outside lift. And it was raining. The brakes were wet. And the rails. So it went about nine floors, and finally it was dry enough where the brakes stopped it. Every elevator has more than one braking system. But should all brakes fail, down in the basement, at the bottom of the elevator shaft? They'll have, like, springs. And if everything fails, it lands on those. That's the last resort. you probably get hurt, but at least it won't kill you. Falling downward is not the only thing that can go wrong in an elevator. A wiring problem can create a runaway, an elevator car screaming upward. All of a sudden, you hear a big whirl, like, that made the motor loss, and boom, it took off. You can actually feel your stomach go, boom, going so fast. What happens if you hit the machinery at the very top? Whatever's up there will go right into the car you're in. Working in an elevator shaft, working over that drop, takes care. A lot of guys get hurt. They'll leave a car there, you know, the elevator on the floor, and go get something. And another guy jumps on it, takes it up somewhere. So you're not paying attention. You slide the doors open and step in there, and the, the car's not there anymore. And if you're riding in a car, and that car stops in between floors. You can't really get out that quick because you don't want the car moving on you. And it'll, it'll cut you in half. The machinery that goes into an elevator weighs tons. Picked up, put down by cranes. You got this crane that's holding something on a cable. Yeah, and then they, you know, you guide it in and drop it wherever you want. There are basic rules for working with a crane. Don't turn your back on it and don't hang on to it too long or, it'll, you know, in case something happens, it'll drag you off the building. David's career working over that drop in an elevator shaft was cut short by a crane accident. Well, it shifted, hit me, and then knocked me into the pit about 30 feet. 
David and I first met at a local gym, where Dave's workout is part of his recovery process. Speaking with David White of Colfax, for KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. Stay tuned. After a two-year pandemic-induced hiatus, the Strawberry Music Festival returns this May. Felton Pruitt speaks with the festival's general manager, Bix Beeman. The two talk logistics and give us some sneak peeks of what to expect this Memorial Day weekend. We're talking with Bix Beeman, the general manager of the Strawberry Music Festival, which uh, we are so excited to have coming back to Grass Valley in May. Welcome, Bix. Well, thanks a lot, Felton. It's great to be visiting with you and everybody on KVMR today. It's a beautiful day down in Tuolumne County, and we're sure it's going to be real close to that kind of beauty when we get there for Memorial Day in Grass Valley. Yeah, you know, Bix, I was thinking, Strawberry has been held in in two of the most beautiful places in the world. Of course, we started at Camp Mather, actually started at Strawberry in 82, but then at Camp Mather in 83, and then moved to the fairgrounds here in Grass Valley. And it's just not a better place to gather with friends and just enjoy nature. And then when you add music to it, oh my goodness. Well, and that has always been Strawberry's uh, stock in trade. It's not just the music and it's not just the camping. It's the combination of camping and music. And being able to be with friends and jam and just enjoy nature and the beautiful sounds that we're able to make together. So give folks the dates and exactly how they can arrive and show up and have a ticket. Well, forever, Strawberry's been a, a four days of music festival with camping each night. So we've always gone from Thursday through Sunday on the music and then people camp over until Monday morning. And as we started to look at this year and think about what everybody has been through and the entire process it's going to take to get a festival back on track, we realized that everybody needed more time. And I'm talking about people at the campgrounds, right? Everybody's going to show up and haven't seen each other for years, and they're just going to need time. So what we've done is uh, we've expanded our tickets, and we're allowing people in as early as Tuesday afternoon. The music still starts on Thursday, but that will give some people a full 24 or 36 hours to get settled into camp and get their jam circle set up and get things really running smoothly so that when the music starts, everybody will be able to be more present and excited and, and fully there for the main stage performances. We're also adding a couple of main stage acts on Thursday. So instead of starting in the afternoon, that'll start, that music will start at 11 o'clock on Thursday. That'll be Thursday, the 26th of May. And we've got uh, some great bands Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Folks will camp over and then we'll all head out on Memorial Day, hopefully having recharged our batteries and rekindled those friendships through the uh, camping and music festival. Now, in the old days, I would go to strawberrymusic.com and I would be able to get tickets. Is that still the case? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, we have kept that URL going, strawberrymusic.com. It's pretty easy and self-navigable. All kinds of information about the festival there and history. You can also get your tickets there. Let's talk about music now. I went to Sam Bush's website just to double check. And of course, there is Sam Bush, Strawberry Music Festival. Absolutely. Yeah, headliner on Friday night. And, uh, you know, Sam's history with Strawberry goes all the way back. I heard a great interview. It was somebody else talking about Sam Bush, what it was. And uh, I guess he was kind of ill uh, a year back and he was talking to uh, Del McCurry. And uh, Del McCurry's been to Strawberry a lot. He's an energetic guy. But I guess Sam chuckled. He said, yeah, I'm only, I'm coming back. I'm at 80% now, but I still got 20% more energy than all y'all. And he's <laughs> yes. like, he's just a, he's just an amazing amount of energy and talent. And uh, oh boy, it's just so great to have him uh, kind of focus their Friday night headliner at Strawberry. 
Well, let's talk about some of the other folks you got coming. Yeah, well, really excited about, you know, some new people. We've got the Steep Canyon Rangers. They're going to be headlining on Saturday night. And uh, Sierra Hull, another fantastic mandolin player. She's going to be playing headlining Thursday night. And then just to round out the headliners, we've got an old traditional favorite, David Bromberg Quintet, uh, closing the whole thing out on Sunday night. And you can just kind of imagine how magical that's going to be. I can't wait to see Bromberg up on a strawberry stage. Those are always very special times. Yeah, uh, it's been a while, and he is a favorite to be sure. We've got a lot of other folks that are coming. Some long-term festival favorites like Marley's Ghost, Mumbo Gumbo will be back. Uh, we've also got some folks that have been jamming their way out of the campgrounds and found their way onto the main stage, like uh, Pathetic Honey and uh, Risky Biscuits. And uh, So there's a whole lineup, a whole lot of bands, and a whole lot of fun. But really, the main focus is for folks to come ready to camp with their friends and neighbors and play music and enjoy the scene together. We're talking with Bix Beeman from the Strawberry Music Festival, which is going on May 26th through the 29th, although you can get there a couple days early now, so that's just so cool. And Bix, I just, you know, we should talk just a minute about what this means to get back together. I mean, you and I have known each other since we met at Strawberry in, what, 85, I think? Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's so many people that have the similar stories that are from all over California or from all over the country, and some folks come from all over the world. Definitely. And it's just, we haven't been there for two years, so this is going to be something extra special. And it's also the 40th anniversary. So in 1982, the four original guys got together and created the Strawberry Bluegrass Festival. And here it is 40 years later, and it'll, I think it'll be the 70th time that we've had a festival. Because you did two a year. Yeah, there was a lot of years where we did two a year, yeah. Right, right. So, And it just continues on. And it's amazing that there's like somebody like Sam Bush or somebody like David Bromberg who have been coming for most of those years. Yep. Well, it's a a real treat, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing a lot of friends that we haven't seen in a long time. But we're also looking forward to new folks, and we've already talked to a lot of people who are coming to their very first strawberry. So it'll be an amazing mix, as it always is. And it's going to have all the strawberry features, the Breakfast Club and the uh, Revival. And, of course, the Hog Ranch Radio there. We're just going to keep it live. Amy's Orchid Cafe, I assume? Absolutely. Yeah, there. yeah. and those, those are going to be pretty dynamite performances there. Can so. you give us a little sneak preview of maybe Friday or Saturday night? Yeah, well, uh, I think you can look forward to Samantha Fish in there on Friday night. Oh, my goodness. And, <laughs> Can you imagine that amount of energy? Yeah. And then uh, yeah, I think uh, we've got Sierra Hull on Thursday night. and uh, You're going to do it Amy's on Thursday night, though? Yes. We started that in 2019, and we okay. used that. Uh, we actually, all the proceeds for that, 100% of the proceeds for that night, get sent to the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation to help replenish band instruments in schools in California that have been impacted by the fires in recent years. It's a good cause to support, and there's nothing more fun than supporting it by listening to great music. So if I want tickets, I go to strawberrymusic.com, and now you're saying, what time on Tuesday can you come in to start camping if you want to? Well, those tickets actually are are not for sale right now because we had a limited number of early arrivals. Uh, But people can show up Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. Those tickets are available online. The extra night, those were sold to people as an early arrival back in 2019. So we had a limited number of them then, and they're the lucky ones that get to come in Tuesday. But everybody else, the the tickets that are available now, you can start Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, and we have various entry times and ticket prices depending. 
uh, check it out at the website or give us a call. Our phone number is 209-984-8630. We're on the phones Monday through Wednesday between 10 and 2, and we'd love to answer your questions. And if you go to the website, you can also find out all about our, our COVID policy, which we've crafted to really help keep people safe and other information about what you can bring with you to the festival and what to expect when you get there. Love to see folks there, and thanks for calling and checking it out, Phil. We've been talking with Bix Beeman from the Strawberry Music Festival May 26th through, well, Sunday the 29th, but you get to leave on Monday the 30th. So uh, it's just another wonderful time. Can't wait to see you, Bix. Right on. You too, Felton. Take care, everybody. That's our newscast for this Friday, March 18th. Head over to kvmr.org to catch up on anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from Ola Tortilla, offering homemade organic tortillas, also grab-and-go carnitas, chicken, vegan, and grasshopper tacos, plus burritos all prepared with locally sourced ingredients. Next to Food & Juice on Zion Street, Nevada City. Closed Wednesdays. OlaTortilla.com And Green Acres Nursery & Supply. Reminding listeners that for better plant health and water savings, consider drip irrigation, soaker hoses, rotating nozzles, and timers for efficient watering. More irrigation tips at idiggreenacres.com. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, it's the California Report magazine. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.